Today we're going to be talking about uh, a subject that um, probably for the next two weeks that uh, is very important and it's dealing with the need of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know we take it for granted if you've been a Christian for a few years you know something about the Holy Spirit and the importance and the need of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit but we often have new people that are coming in and and this is so foundational. There's some things a pastor should probably talk about every year. Almost every year I talk about the importance of your devotional life and reading the scriptures. And this is one of those subjects. The important role of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. I remember hearing about uh, an old farmer. All his neighbors were beginning to rave about these chainsaws that had come out. This is many years ago. And they said, Zeb, you got, got to get yourself one of these chainsaws. You'll be able to cut three times as much wood as you can now. And so he finally said, all right. He was a little resistant to change, but he, he went down to the local farm supply and he got himself a chainsaw. About a week later, he came back and he told the owner of the store, he said, I want my money back. He said, this thing doesn't work. He said, it's taking me three times as long to cut the same amount of wood as I did before. And the guy said, well, let me see your saw. He handed him the saw, and he checked the oil, he checked the gas, and he turned on the switch, and he pulled the cord. He went, vroom, 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 vroom. And the farmer jumped back and said, what's that noise? <laughs> He'd been trying to cut all that wood without starting the saw. <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of what happens in a lot of people's lives. We try to do the works of the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit and it becomes very frustrating, uh, actually impossible. And so I can't overstate the need for us to have the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to be Christians. It is a priority. The Holy Spirit is a priority for believers. The Bible begins and ends with the Holy Spirit. You read in Genesis, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and then you jump to Revelation, the Spirit and the Bride say come there in the last chapter. The beginning of the ministry of Jesus started with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.16 and Jesus when he was baptized he came up out of the water and the heavens were open and lo the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. He was anointed with the Spirit. And then as he is ascending to heaven, Jesus said, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's the beginning and the end of the Bible. It's the beginning and the end of the Gospel. And Jesus tells us it's a must for the Christian. John chapter 3 verse 5, he said to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you unless one is born of the water and the Spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you you must be born again. Now what does that new birth mean? What's he talking about born again? Listen. Don't marvel that I say to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes you hear the sound of it and you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what is the new birth? Jesus just said you must be born again so is everyone who is born of the Spirit and he said most assuredly unless you are born of the water and the Spirit 
you must be born again in the Holy Spirit if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's a, it's a must, it's a criteria, it's essential to salvation. This is where the power comes from. It's a life and death issue. If you believe the Bible, let me give you a few more verses. Life and death issue. Romans 8 verse 6, to be carnally minded is a death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's talking about being filled with the mind of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. That means if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are not his. That's the group that when the Lord comes, he says, I don't know you. Now I'll be talking in a moment, what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit? But I just, I wanted to lay down the groundwork, it's a must. This is not optional. We must be born again. We must have the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to try to live the Christian life without the Christian spirit. So a little disclaimer, a little clarification before I dive in. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, people often wonder, are we talking about a what or a who? Biblically, the Holy Spirit is a who. But sometimes when you have a strange creature, you might call it an it. And so the Holy Spirit, because He is difficult for us to comprehend, sometimes you'll find even in the Bible it's referred to as it. And we talk about the Holy Spirit as a power, but technically the Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And you read that in Ephesians 4.30. Do not quench the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. The Holy Spirit is someone who can be resisted. In Acts 13 it says they fasted and then the Holy Spirit said, well the Holy Spirit's speaking. They could have said Jesus said, but it says the Holy Spirit said. You might say, well Pastor Doug, I have trouble understanding the Trinity. I remember reading about a theologian, Dr. Wilbur Smith, he said the man who rejects the Trinity may lose his soul. The man who tries to understand the Trinity may lose his mind. It is a deep subject because here you are a finite creature and we are talking about understanding an infinite God. And so right there at the beginning you can see there'd be a problem. We're trying to understand an infinite God and yet we are finite, we're limited in our understanding. So when we talk about the Spirit, it's the most misunderstood member of the Godhead. You know, if I say Jesus, a mental image pops into your head, probably like some of the many pictures you've seen of Christ that just helps you fill in the blank. Or even if I were to say God the Father, you probably got a bearded individual. Does anyone have a clean shaven God the Father in their mental picture? Oh, he's always got a beard, right? And, but when I say Holy Spirit, you know, I don't think anyone's thinking about Casper. It's, it's an ethereal person, sometimes described as fire, sometimes water. We, Jesus just talked about it's like wind. So, but don't let that throw you. The Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us. This is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he, notice he, not it, he will teach you all things. Now when it says he teaches you all things, that doesn't mean you become all knowing. It means he's teaching you all things that you need to know for salvation. 
He'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now, don't miss this. It's wonderful that the Holy Spirit will help you remember the Word of God. Just when you need it most, He'll bring to your remembrance promises to comfort you. He'll, you're giving a Bible study to someone, someone else is discouraged, they need the Word of God. Holy Spirit will remind you of a verse at that time. In sermon preparation, I pray, and the Holy Spirit is reminding me of verses, but you know, the Holy Spirit will never ever remind you of a verse you have not first read. So the Holy Spirit's there to bring the things that Jesus said to your remembrance. That's assuming that you have read and listened to the things that Jesus said. He might bring it to remembrance from something you've read, or you may have heard it in a message or quoted, but the Holy Spirit will bring these words to life. And again, Colossians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man or the unsaved man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If a person is not being drawn by the Spirit, if they've resisted the Spirit of God, and you start to talk to them about heavenly things, they go, who are these crazy people? What are they talking about? This stuff about, I mean, if you can't see it, you don't believe in it, right? That's what they think. The Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to as that still small voice. Sometimes we may confuse the Holy Spirit with our conscience. It's really God's conscience speaking to us. It's like when uh, it says, you will hear a voice behind thee saying, this is the way, walk in it. Any of you ever had a very strong impression Then you later found out why? You're just getting ready to pull out into the intersection and even though the light was green, you thought stop again and look both ways and all of a sudden someone came shooting out and you thought, what was it that made me think to stop a second time? Uh, you ever had an experience like that? And the, the Spirit sometimes will be guiding us in supernatural ways. 1 John 2.27, but the anointing that you've received from Him abides in you. That same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and not a lie. Just as it has taught you, he will abide, uh, you will abide in Him. So it's telling us that the Spirit will teach us. Now that doesn't mean that we don't need other people to teach us, but when you've got the Holy Spirit, you read something and it resonates with you. You hear something and you say, that's the truth. We need the Holy Spirit for cleansing. Um, we now need ongoing cleansing of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that first draws us, and then it's the Spirit that fills us, but first, before it fills us, it cleans us. It's like if you go to an old hand pump that you find out there in the desert somewhere, and there's a cup on the ground, and you want to drink water, you look up the cup, it's been sitting there out in the open in the desert, and you say, I'd like to drink out of this cup, and I got water in the pump. What's the first thing you do with the water? Drink out of the cup, or do you wash the cup with the water? Isn't that what you do? So you wash the cup, you just wash the outside, you wash it inside and out, you rinse it, you hold it up to the light, and now you put the water in it and you fill the cup for drinking. So it's the Holy Spirit that washes us and it also is the Holy Spirit that then fills us for use after cleansing. Romans 15, 16 that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, 
sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The word sanctified means cleansed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 God from the beginning chose you for salvation through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And so God's Spirit has a cleansing effect. And then we need the Holy Spirit once you've been cleansed and once you've been drawn to actually live the Christian life. That's why when a person was baptized the Holy Spirit was received. Now the Holy Spirit could come before baptism. That's what happened in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. The Holy Spirit can come after baptism. That's what happened with the apostles. They were baptized but later received the filling of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can come at baptism. That's what happened with Jesus and many others in the Bible. You can read in Acts chapter 19, these men were baptized and the Holy Spirit filled them. Peter says, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when you consecrate yourself to God, He then gives you this special person of the Spirit in your life. Notice this Old Testament, Psalm 51, King David. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Oh wait, Pastor Doug, I thought Jesus said I need to go away and I'll send the Holy Spirit. I don't think the Holy Spirit came until New Testament times. You ever heard that? Wasn't it Pentecost when the Holy Spirit finally came? Wouldn't that be sad to think that it was 4,000 years into church history before people experienced God's Spirit? No, God's Spirit was there at the very beginning. What happened after Christ was a special empowering of the Spirit where the miracles of God took off like never before. It was the former reign of the Holy Spirit. You will see it again before the end of time, which is why I'm talking about this. So for witnesses, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Notice what happens. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Even way back then, David's talking about giving Bible studies through the Holy Spirit and people being converted. And so you need the Spirit to share. You ever been talking to someone else and you want to witness about Christ and you send up a prayer? Say, Lord, help me know what to say. You are asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. And how often I've prayed and said, Lord, I'd like to talk to them about you, but I don't know how to do it without being awkward. Can you help do something with this conversation so I can talk about spiritual things? All of a sudden, the conversation will change and it creates a way for me to talk about God. The Holy Spirit does that. So to be witnesses. We need the Holy Spirit for love, joy, peace, and comfort. Any of you want those things? They're all gifts of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, I won't read the whole thing, but it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We all want that in our life. The Holy Spirit brings that into our life. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away if I don't go away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is not talking about himself. He's talking about another person. Notice that. I'll send him to you. He will bring comfort to you. Christ is saying, uh, I'm here now. He's there. But I'll go there. He'll come here. It's very clear you got two different people involved, right? Acts 9.31. 
Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And they were, disciples were multiplied. The church was growing. Romans 14, 7, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that there's nothing to learn about eating and drinking, but the real basics are righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. When you've got the joy and the love in your heart and you see people just want to sing because they're so happy, that's worth telling other people about. So the Holy Spirit gives you this joy and He gives you peace and He gives you comfort. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God to do the work. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might or by power, but by what? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In Ezekiel 36, 27, I will put my spirit in you. This is the new covenant. And I will cause you to walk in. How many of you would like to say, Lord, please cause me to walk in your ways? He says, this is what I'll do. How? I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. When? When He puts His Spirit in us. So we should be praying and seeking and desiring the Holy Spirit more than anything. Because otherwise, attempting to live a Christian life without the Christian Spirit is drudgery. That's a quote from Steps to Christ. Acts 5.32, We are His witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, who God has given to those that obey Him. So God gives us the Spirit to obey, and then God gives the Spirit to those who do obey. The filling of the Spirit is a power that cannot be trusted to those who are in open rebellion. So it's the Holy Spirit that draws us, and then it's the Holy Spirit that fills us. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to obey, and then when we do obey, He fills us for witnessing. We need the Holy Spirit to pray right. Now you pray for the Holy Spirit to pray through the Holy Spirit. You pray for the Holy Spirit to pray through the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. I told you about Romans 8. Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. When you pray in the Spirit the Holy Spirit makes your prayers as awkward and stumbling as they may sound to you, eloquent before God if you're praying with your heart. The thing that makes our prayer so beautiful to God is our sincerity. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I'll also pray with the understanding. We pray with our minds and we pray in the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, we all know that bats um, see with sonar. Now, in case you didn't know, a lot of bats fly in the dark, but when we went to Fiji, we saw a lot of bats that fly in the day, and they've got great big eyes and very good vision. So the idea of being blind as a bat, some bats see very well, and they fly in the day. But we're thinking about these nighttime bats and some of these cave bats, they got almost, their eyes are almost little microscopic vestigial remnants. They don't see very well, but their hearing is incredible. 
And the way they create pictures of their environment is they are constantly emitting these loud squeaks that are supersonic, human ears can't hear them. They've got equipment that can hear it, and they've tested it before, and it is bouncing, it's where we get sonar. Their, their high frequency sounds they're making are bouncing off their environment, and it is so precise that they can detect a little bug and catch it with sonar. But um, what's amazing is if they stop squeaking, they run into things. When they stop making that noise, they crash. It's the constant noise that helps them to fly successfully. The Bible says you and I are to pray without ceasing. And as we are praying constantly, talking to the Spirit as we go through life and we're walking with God, that's what it means to walk with God, is to be praying in the Holy Spirit. It guides us through life and you can avoid crashing that way. Amen? Amen. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? First of all, Jesus promised if I ascend to heaven, I will send the Holy Spirit. Did he ascend to heaven? Has he retracted his promise of sending the Spirit? then the Holy Spirit is still just as available to you and me today as it was when he told the apostles, I will send the Spirit. But we have a part to play in receiving the Spirit. For one thing, you need to ask. Luke 11:13. if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Don't you want to give necessary things to your children? When your children say, I'm hungry, do you enjoy them being hungry or do you want to satisfy their need? And Jesus used this illustration, he says, even you who are evil love your children, you'll give them good gifts. How much more will your Father in heaven give his children the Holy Spirit, notice, when they ask him? So what's one of the things we're supposed to do? Ask. God is polite. He doesn't want to force his way into anyone's life. He will come into the life of those who ask. If you don't ask, he will not come. Ask him. Zechariah 10.1 Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. And the Lord will make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, another criteria. Peter says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So as we empty ourselves, God will then fill us. You know, there is a, a great statement in the book Desire of Ages, page 250. There is no limit, that means limitless, there is no limit to the usefulness of someone who putting self aside makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit on the heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. One reason we don't receive the Holy Spirit is it requires room. We need room in our hearts. If our hearts are so full of everything else and we're just saying to the Holy Spirit, you know, I think I can find a little room for you in the back of the bus, Holy Spirit will say, well, I don't want to bother you. Uh, we really need to make room and say, you know, Lord, I don't want my life to be full of a little spirit and everything else, but having God in our hearts has got to be the most important thing. You will search for me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will pour water on him that is thirsty. Blessed are those that hunger and 
thirst after righteousness. When you want the Holy Spirit, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'll pour water on you. He's talking about the, the living water of His Spirit. Doesn't God want to baptize us with the Spirit? You know, sometimes I think in our church we, we think that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is on a chronological clock. You know, here you've got the seven last plagues and you've got the mark of the beast and you've got the, you know, the trumpets and then you've got the Holy Spirit will fall here on this day. I don't believe it's like that. I think God is down there and He's waiting for us to make room in our calendar for the Holy Spirit. It's not like it's on His calendar on such and such a date, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. He wants to pour out the Holy Spirit now. He promised to send it when He came the first time. But we need to ask. Amen? Amen. Ask for His Spirit and He will send it to you. You know, I remember um, I used to love to uh, fly kites. And I went to Central Park one day. And on some days you could go to Central Park and you'd see all these kids out there flying kites. But there was a, a very important uh, need if you're going to fly a kite. You know what that is? He needs some wind. How many of you have seen a kid that got a new kite and couldn't wait to fly it? They went outside to fly the kite, but there was no wind. So what did they have to do? You got to create artificial wind. And so you run. Have you ever watched? That gets tiring pretty quick. <laughs> if the only way that kite goes up is you got to run, a kid can only run around the meadow so long, and then pretty soon they're just tuckered out and say, forget about this. This is no fun at all and you're running one way and the kite's in the other direction. You're like you're running into trees trying to watch your kite. I know, I've done this. How much better if you pray for a windy day and you get to stand still and fly the kite? You know, I think a lot of churches and a lot of Christians, instead of praying for the power of God's Spirit and making that the priority of really walking with God and listening to God and being filled with God, and doing everything we can to cooperate with God and appreciating God in our lives. We're running around trying to do all the things we can humanly do to keep the kite in the air. As soon as you stop, it falls. And we're wearing ourselves out where what we need is wind. You know, when they prayed, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place and of one accord and they prayed and the place was shaken and there was the sound of a mighty wind. And then the church began to take off when the disciples put away their differences, when they humbled themselves, when they asked God for the Holy Spirit, God sent it. And He sent it in mighty power. I know that's what I need in my life. I'm talking about this because I figure you're not that different. That what the church needs today is the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful that God's blessed us with this place. It's wonderful that we're building a bigger facility. But if we have all of that and we don't have the Spirit, what do we have? We don't have anything. But if we have those tools and we have the power of the Holy Spirit, what God can accomplish is unlimited. Amen? I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to have the love and the joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit. Is that your desire?